Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top frontline edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's an option to sign up for a daily lesson uh, email that includes both the lesson for the day as well as the text reading for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, uh, with Section 8, The Need for Faith. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Giant Stride Lesson Number 194. I place the future in the hands of God. And I came upon uh, this very beautiful poem written by um, a lady named Alice Friend. Perhaps many of you know her. She's been in the Course community for a number of years. And she shared this poem uh, on the Mighty Companions uh, website. It's such a beautiful poem called Allowing Grace. Emphasis on the word allow. I allow grace to rain upon me like trillions of tiny stars tickling their way into my being and reminding me to be light, to be light. I allow grace to enter my mind so all that is heavy dissolves easily into joy and laughs with light, laughs with light. I allow grace to enter my heart as it bursts and overflows with all the love it forgot it possessed. And I become light. I become light. I allow grace to be who I am. I do this now with my breath. This prayer of grace takes me over. I am lightened. I am lightened. I place the future in the hands of God. Amen. Oh, thanks. For Amen. That. Thank you. <clears throat> it feels that poem feels just about as light to me as as today's lesson. When relieved of the burden of future. Um, Okay, my friends, here's our reading list. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, and Karen. And we're joined this morning by Diana. Anyone else like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, Laurie. Good morning, everyone. I can read today. Oh, most excellent. Thank you, Lana. Okay. So, once again, Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, Section 8, The Need for Faith. Starting with Paragraph 65. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. There is no shift in any aspect of the problem, but will make solution impossible. For if you shift part of the problem elsewhere, the meaning of the problem must be lost 
and the solution to the problem is inherent in its meaning. It is not possible that all your problems have been solved, but you have removed yourself from this... Whoop, 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 I read that wrong. Is it not possible that all your problems have been solved, but you have removed yourself from the solution? Yet faith must be aware of something has been done and where you see it done. A A situation is a relationship being the joining of thoughts. If problems are perceived, it is because the thoughts are judged to be in conflict. But if the goal is truth, this is impossible. Some idea of bodies must have entered, for minds cannot attack. Uh, Lemoyne. Okay. Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, Section 8, The Need for Faith. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. There is no shift in any aspect of the problem but will make solution impossible. For if you shift part of the problem elsewhere, the meaning of the problem must be lost. And the solution to the problem is inherent in its meaning. Is it not possible that all your problems have been solved, but you have removed yourself from the solution? Yet faith must be where something has been done and where you see it done. A situation is a relationship being the joining of thought. If problems are perceived, it is because the thoughts are judged to be in conflict. But if the goal is truth, this is impossible. Some idea of bodies must have entered, for minds cannot attack. The thought of bodies is the sign of faithlessness, for bodies cannot solve anything and it is their intrusion on the relationship an error in your thoughts about the situation which then becomes the justification for your lack of faith you will make this error but be not at all concerned with that the error does not matter faithlessness brought to faith will never interfere with truth But faithlessness used against truth will always destroy faith. If you lack faith, ask that it be restored where it was lost and seek not to have it made up to you elsewhere as if you had been unjustly deprived of it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 66. The thought of bodies <coughs> excuse me, is the sign of faithlessness, for bodies cannot solve anything, and it is their intrusion on the relationship, an error in your thoughts about the situation, which then becomes the justification for your lack of faith. You will make this error, but be not concerned at all with that. The error does not matter. 
faithlessness brought to faith will never interfere with truth. The faithlessness used against truth will always destroy faith. If you lack faith, ask that it be restored where it was lost and seek not to have it made up to you elsewhere as if you had been unjustly deprived of it. 67. Only what you have not given can be lacking in any situation. But remember this. The goal of holiness was set for your relationship and not by you. You did not set it because holiness cannot be seen except through faith. And your relationship was not holy because your faith in one another was so limited and little. Your faith must grow to meet the goal that has been set. The goal's reality will call this forth, for you will see that peace and faith will not come separately. What situation can you be in without faith and remain faithful to each other? Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Sixty-seven. Only what you have not given can be lacking in any situation. But remember this, the goal of holiness was set for your relationship and not by you. You did not set it because holiness cannot be seen except through faith. And your relationship was not holy because your faith in one another was so limited and little. Your faith must grow to meet the goal that has been set. The goal's reality will call this forth, for you will see that peace and faith will not come separately. What situation can you be in without faith and remain faithful to each other? 68. Every situation in which you find yourself is but a means to meet the purpose set for your relationship. See it as something else, and you are faithless. Use not your faithlessness. Let it enter and look upon it calmly, but do not use it. Faithlessness is the servant of illusion and wholly faithful to its master. Use it, and it will carry you straight to illusions. Be tempted not by what it offers you. It interferes not with the goal, but with the value of the goal to you. Accept not the illusion of peace it offers, but look upon its offering and recognize it is illusion. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 68. Every situation in which you find yourself is but a means to meet the purpose set for the relationship. See it as something else, and you are faithless. Use not your faithlessness. Let it enter and look upon it calmly, but do not use it. Faithlessness is the servant of illusion and wholly faithful to its master. Use it, and it will carry you straight to illusions. Be tempted not by what it offers you. It interferes not with the goal, but with the value of the goal to you. Accept not the illusion of peace it offers, but look upon its offering and recognize it is illusion. Thank you, Karen. 
69. The goal of illusion is as closely tied to faithlessness as faith to truth. If you lack faith in anyone to fulfill and perfect, perfectly his part in any situation dedicated in advance to truth, your dedication is divided. And so you have been faithless to each other and used your faithlessness against each other. No relationship is holy unless its holiness goes with it everywhere. As holiness and faith go hand in hand, so must its faith go everywhere with it. The goal's reality will call forth and accomplish every miracle needed for its fulfillment. Nothing too small or too enormous, too weak or too compelling, but will be gently turned to its use and purpose. The universe will serve it gladly as it serves the universe, but do not interfere. Thank you, Karen. And Lana. Okay, 69. The goal of illusion is as closely tied to faithlessness as faith to truth. If you lack faith in anyone to fulfill and perfectly his part in any situation dedicated in advance to truth, your dedication is divided. And so you have been faithless to each other and used your faithlessness against each other. No relationship is holy unless its holiness goes with it everywhere. As holiness and faith go hand in hand, so must, it, must, so must its faith go everywhere with it. The goal's reality will call forth and accomplish every miracle needed for its fulfillment. Nothing too small or too enormous, too weak or too compelling, but will be gently turned to its use and purpose. The universe will serve it gladly, and as, I'm sorry, the universe will serve it gladly as it serves the universe, but do not interfere. 70. The power, um, excuse me just a second, the power set in you in whom the Holy Spirit's goal has been established is so far beyond your little conception of the infinite that you have no idea how great the strength that goes with you. And you can use this in perfect safety, yet for all its might, so great it reaches past the stars and to the universe that lies beyond them, universe that lies beyond them, your little faithlessness can make it useless if you would use the faithlessness instead. Thank you, Lana. And would there be a new reader for 70 and 71?
70 and 71. Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. The power set in you, in whom the Holy Spirit's goal has been established, is so far beyond your little conception of the infinite that you have no idea how great the strength that goes with you. And you can use this in perfect safety. Yet for all its might, so great it reaches past the stars and to the universe that lies beyond them. Your little faithlessness can make it useless if you would use the faithlessness instead. Yet think on this and learn the cause of faithlessness. You think you hold against the other what he has done to you. But what you really blame him for is what you did to him. It is not his past, but yours you hold against him. And you lack faith in him because of what you were. Yet you are as innocent of what you were as he is. What never was is causeless and is not there to interfere with the truth. There is no cause for faithlessness, but there is a cause for faith. That cause has entered any situation which shares its purpose. The light of truth shines from the center of the situation and touches everyone to whom the situation's purpose calls. It calls to everyone. There is no situation which does not involve your whole relationship in every aspect, complete in every part. You can leave nothing of yourself outside it and keep the situation holy. For it shares the purpose of your whole relationship and derives its meaning from it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 71. Yet think on this and learn the cause of faithlessness. You think you hold against the other what he has done to you, but what you really blame him for is what you did to him. It is not his past, but yours you hold against him, and you lack faith in him because of what you were. Yet you are as innocent of what you were as he is. What never was is causeless and is not there to interfere with truth. There is no cause for faithlessness, but there is a cause for faith. That cause has entered any situation which shares its purpose. The light of truth shines from the center of the situation and touches everyone to whom the situation's purpose calls. It calls to everyone. There is no situation which does not involve your whole relationship in every aspect and complete in every part. You can leave nothing of yourself outside it and keep the situation holy, for it shares the purpose of your whole relationship and derives its meaning from it. 72. Enter each situation with the faith that you give to each other or you are faithless to your own relationship. Your faith will call the others to share your purpose, 
as the same purpose called forth the faith in you. And you will see the means you once employed to lead you to illusions transformed to means for truth. Truth calls for faith, and faith makes room for truth. When the Holy Spirit changed the purpose of your relationship by exchanging yours for his, the goal he placed there was extended to every situation in which you enter or will ever enter. And every situation was thus made free of the past, which would have made it purposeless. Thank you, friend. And Robin Ray. <coughs> 72. Enter each situation with the faith that you give to each other, or you are faithless to your own relationship. Your faith will call the others to share, share your purpose as the same purpose called forth the faith in you. And you will see the means you once employed to lead you to illusions transformed to means for truth. Bracket. Truth calls for faith, and faith makes room for truth. When the Holy Spirit changed the purpose of your relationship by exchanging yours for his, the goal he placed there was extended to every situation in which you enter or will ever enter. And every situation was thus made free of the past, which would have made it purposeless. 73. You call for faith because of him who walks with you in every situation. You are no longer wholly insane, nor no longer alone. For loneliness in God must be a dream. You whose relationship shares the Holy Spirit's goal, are set apart from loneliness because the truth has come. Its call for faith is strong. Use not your faithlessness against it, for it calls you to salvation and to peace. Thank you, Robin Marie and Karen. 73. You call for faith because of him who walks with you in every situation. You are no longer wholly insane, nor no longer alone. For loneliness in God must be a dream. You, whose relationship shares the Holy Spirit's goal, are set apart from loneliness because the truth has come. Its call for faith is strong. Use not your faithlessness against it, for it calls you to salvation and to peace. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, everyone who read this beautiful section. Uh, let's see, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine paragraphs. And we have 15 minutes left. I'd just so love to hear it all again. Um, Joey, read one paragraph at a time going down the list uh, in reverse order. Yes, Lori, thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to to the reading list, Sandy. Thanks. 
Well, love to, Mindy. And why don't you start us off then, Mindy? Section 8 in Chapter 17. Well, that will take me a moment, so why don't I do that? And I do have a request as I was listening. It might be just because I just woke up, but it just felt like people were reading it so fast that there was so much in each paragraph that I wanted to have just, just a millisecond between sentences so I could grasp it. So my request is one more time with feeling. <laughs> All right. I am here now. Thank you. Chapter 17, Forgiveness and Healing, The Need for Faith. Paragraph 65. There is no problem in any situation that faith will not solve. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is no shift in any aspect of the problem but will make solution impossible. For if you shift part of the problem elsewhere, the meaning of the problem must be lost and the solution to the problem is inherent in its meaning. Is it not possible that all your problems have been solved, but you have removed yourself from the solution? Yet faith must be where something has been done and where you see it done. A situation is a relationship, being the joining of thoughts. If problems are perceived, it is because the thoughts are judged to be in conflict. But if the goal is truth, this is impossible. Some idea of bodies must have entered, for minds cannot attack. Thank you, Mindy. Uh, and Lana, 66, please. Okay. Uh, the thought of bodies is the sign of faithlessness. For bodies cannot solve anything. And it is their intrusion on the relationship, an error in your thoughts about the situation, which then become, becomes the justification for your lack of faith. You will make this error, but be not all at all concerned with that. The error does not matter. Faithlessness brought to faith will never interfere with truth. But faithlessness used against truth will always destroy faith. If you lack faith, ask that it be restored where it was lost and seek not to have it made up to you elsewhere as if you have been unjustly deprived of it. Thank you, Lana. Uh, and Karen, 67. Only what you have not given can be lacking in any situation. But remember this. The goal of holiness was set for your relationship and not by you. You did not set it because holiness cannot be seen except through faith. And your relationship 
was not holy because your faith in one another was so limited and little. Your faith must grow to meet the goal that has been set. The goal's reality will call this forth, for you will see that peace and faith will not come separately. What situation can you be in without faith and remain faithful to each other? Thank you, Karen. Uh, And Robin Marie, 68, please. Every situation in which you find yourself is but a means to meet the purpose set for your relationship. See it as something else, and you are faithless. Use not your faithlessness. Let it enter and look upon it calmly, but do not use it. Faithlessness is the servant of illusion and wholly faithful to its master. Use it and it will carry you straight to illusions. Be tempted not by what it offers you. It interferes not with the goal, but with the value of the goal to you. Accept not the illusion of peace it offers, but look upon its offering and recognize it is illusion. Thank you, Robin Marie. Uh, Fran, 69, please. (laughs) The goal of illusion is as closely tied to faithlessness as faith to truth. If you lack faith in anyone to fulfill and perfectly his part in any situation dedicated in advance to truth, your dedication is divided. And so you have been faithless to each other and used your faithlessness against each other. No relationship is holy unless its holiness goes with it everywhere. As holiness and faith go hand in hand, so must its faith go everywhere with it. The goal's reality will call forth and accomplish every miracle needed for its fulfillment. Nothing too small or too enormous, too weak or too compelling, but will be gently turned to its use and purpose. The universe will serve it gladly as it serves the universe. But do not interfere. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne, uh, 70, please. The power set in you, in whom the Holy Spirit's goal has been established, is so far beyond your little conception of the infinite that you have no idea how great the strength that goes with you. And you can use this in perfect safety. Yet for all its might, so great it reaches past the stars and to the universe that lies beyond them, your little faithlessness can make it useless if you would use the faithlessness instead. Thank you, LeMoyne. Um, let's see, is there a new reader that has joined us would like to read paragraph 71? Um, okay, that would be back to you, Mindy. Thank you. Paragraph 71. Yep, there we are. 
permission to go back to the last sentence so that I can have it together. Oh my God, that's a long sentence. <laughs> Yet for all its might, so great it reaches past the stars into the universe that lies beyond them. Your little faithlessness can make it useless if you would use the faithlessness instead. Yet, think on this and learn the cause of faithlessness. You think you hold against the other what he has done to you. But what you really blame him for is what you did to him. It is not his past but yours you hold against him. And, with, and you lack faith in him because of what you were. Yet you are as innocent of what you were as he is. What never was is causeless and is not there to interfere with truth. There is no cause for faithlessness, but there is a cause for faith. That cause has entered into any situation which shares its purpose. The light of truth shines from the center of the situation and touches everyone to whom the situation's purpose calls. It calls to everyone. There is no situation which does not involve your whole relationship in every aspect and complete in every part. You can leave nothing of yourself outside it and keep the situation holy. For it shares the purpose of your whole relationship and derives its meaning from it. Thank you, Mindy. On Lana, 72, please. Enter each situation with the faith that you give to each other, or you are faithless in your own relationship. Your faith will call the others to share your purpose, as the same purpose called forth the faith in you. And you, and you will see the means you once employed to lead you to illusions transformed to means for truth. In brackets, truth calls for faith as faith makes room for truth. When the Holy Spirit changed the purpose of your relationship by exchanging yours for his, the goal he placed there was extended to every situation in which you enter or will ever enter, and every situation was thus made free of the past, which would have made it purpose, purposeless. Thank you, Lana. Hi, Karen. You call for faith because of him who walks with you in every situation. You are no longer wholly insane, nor no longer alone. For loneliness in God must be a dream. You whose relationship share the Holy Spirit's goal are set apart from loneliness because the truth has come. Its call for faith is strong. Use not your faithlessness against it. For it calls you to salvation and to peace. 
Amen. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, everyone who read that again. And um, I think we're just close enough to the top of the hour um, that we can just let the light of Lesson 194 shine right through this. So um, I'll turn it over to you, Fran. Thank you. And thanks for letting us read that again. That was great. Loved it. Well, hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook. The section that we're on now is one Lessons 181 to 200. And today's lesson is Lesson 194. I place the future in the hands of God. So I shall read some, and then we will do our five-minute practice from the lesson. Okay. Lesson 194, I place the future in the hands of God. Today's idea takes another step toward quick salvation, and a giant stride it is indeed. So great the distance is that it encompasses it sets you down just short of heaven with the goal in sight and obstacles behind. Accept today's idea, and you have passed all anxiety, all pits of hell, all blackness of depression, thoughts of sin, and devastation brought about by guilt. In no one instant is depression felt or pain experienced or loss perceived. In no one instant can one even die. God holds your future as he holds your past and present. They are one to him, and so they should be one to you. You are but asked to let the future go and place it in God's hands. And you will see by your experience that you have laid the past and present in his hands as well because the past will punish you no more and future dread will now be meaningless. Release the future. Then is each instant, which was slave to time, transformed into a holy instant where the light that was kept hidden in God's Son is freed to bless the world. If you can see the lesson for today as the deliverance it really is, you will not hesitate to give as much consistent effort as you can to make it be a part of you. What worry can beset the one who gives his future to the loving hands of God? What can he suffer? What can cause him pain or bring experience of loss to him? What can he fear? Place then your future in the hands of God. For thus you call the memory of him to come again, replacing all your thoughts of sin and evil with the truth of love. Now are we saved indeed. If we forget, we will be gently reassured. If we accept an unforgiving thought, it will be soon replaced by love's reflection. And if we are tempted to attack, we will appeal to him who guards our rest to make the choice for us that leaves temptation far behind. No longer is the world our enemy, but we have chosen that we be its friend. Now we'll do our five-minute practice. Lesson 194, I place the future in the hands of God.
Today's idea takes another step toward quick salvation and a giant stride it is indeed. It sets you down just sort of heaven with the goal in sight and obstacles behind. Lesson 194, I place the future in the hands of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, it's so hard to hold on to so much that comes in meditation, but um, of course, this is this is like ground zero for the most important lesson for me in the course. Um, I place the future in the hands of God. It's like. Um, It's the truth that rescues me from all my fear thoughts and all my fantasies about the future. And giving it over, it just helps me to stay in the present moment. And um, in the context of our reading today, I really was thinking about faithlessness, um, the illusion of faith for for my daughter when she's talking about um, everything's going to be okay in the future, right? It's like she starts making up all this stuff to support the idea that she's going to win with the custody battle. And those are fantasies of or illusions of peace. They're not rooted in faith because they're not rooted in The truth, God is the truth. Light is the truth. That's a fake sense of fantasy, or a a a false peace, right, in the future. Um, I keep telling her to let go of the future and to concentrate on this moment, you know, and I keep trying to draw her back to the faith in this moment. It's like saying to her all the time, God is with you. Feel it. Know it. Experience the light with this moment, the peace within you. I keep calling her back to that, trying to get her to um, acknowledge it because she doesn't want to acknowledge it. Um, I was thinking of myself. You know, I had a judgment of a person today, and that's a moment of faithlessness. But in the reading today, it says, Don't worry about it. If you have a moment of faithlessness, bring it to the truth. Bring it to the truth. But don't use it against the truth. So when we have a moment where we doubt another person, we doubt their purity, we lose it for a second, we lose the awareness of it, and we're in the ego mind for a second, then we bring it to the Holy Spirit and say, I don't want this. Here, take this. It's over. You know, that thought is not what I want. I'm in the center of the awareness of truth. I'm in the faith of Christ. I'm in the center. I don't use that moment to deny my brother's truth. And then there's this section in reading today that says, you don't hold your brother's mistakes against him. You hold your own mistakes against him. And nothing could be more true. And I've I've had this sense so many times 
you know, what do I, what do I resist in this person? It's my guilt of being that way that I'm seeing him in that moment. I'm projecting my past on that person, and I have not forgiven myself. I have not healed this part of myself. That's why forgiveness um, helps me to see all things differently. And that that's why the, all lessons are, um, everything is a lesson God would have me learn. Because if I'm paying attention, it's a way for God to purify my mind and heal me so I can hold more faith and more truth. And it kept, the lesson kept saying to go back to the truth, the faith, recognition of faith. Recognition of faith is really standing in that alignment with the Christ mind. That's what that is. And that's what this world needs. And that's why the world would be our friend. It says, don't look on the world as your enemy. Well, when I look at the world right now in my ego mind, I'm seeing so many disastrous, horrible, scary things. And there's so much fear. But if I'm in my alignment with my Christ self, then the love of God is just flowing through me to bless everything that's happening. It doesn't see the world as an enemy. It sees the world as um, our beloved that we need to protect and help. You know, I, I, the trees are my beloved. The flowers are my beloved. You know, my brother who's acting out is just asleep, and he is God's beloved, so I accept him in. You know, sometimes it's hard, but I'm working on it. And I'm not fighting the truth. <laughs> I'm not against the truth. That's a lot. And I uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to try to formulate what I can take away from that lesson. I'm complete. Oh, that was so beautiful, Karen. So that was beautiful. lovely, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Good morning, it's Lana. I love what you shared, Karen. And, you know, I think um, after we do this work for a while, I know it is for me, there's seldom a section that I read that I don't remember something in my life, a lesson in my life uh, that applied by so much to it. You know, it's like every section I can take back. My memory brings me back to something. And, and this section that we read today um, took me back, oh, I don't know, three or four years to a situation. I, I just had, I don't even remember the details of it, but I remember it was a very worrisome situation with my daughter. And um, one evening I was speaking on the phone with our dear friend Lee Lynn, and he said something to me, um, you know, and I had been trying to heal my worries. Um, and he said something to me that really hit a, hit a spark in me that opened up. And, and I had just forgotten it. I knew it at some level, but I had just forgotten it in, you know, in the haze of an ego uh, dream. And that was, um, he asked me to remember that the Holy Spirit is, in my mind, is in my daughter's mind as well. And it dawned on me, it's like a light bulb moment, that's right, I've been seeing her as a body. 
I have been seeing her as an ego, and I've kept her separate from me um, in my healing. But when I recognize that we share the same Christ consciousness, the same spirit, I could include her in there. And um, so I didn't have faith in her. I had faithlessness in her. Uh, because I was seeing only her body and her actions and her ego, um, and I wasn't seeing the truth of her. And so, um, you know, when I, early on, when Jesus writes that he has perfect faith in us, I used to think, how can Jesus have perfect faith in a schmuck like me, you know? I fail a dozen times a day. But he wasn't talking about my body. He's not, and he still isn't talking about my body or my ego or the stupid stuff I do, the wrong decisions. I. He was talking about he had perfect faith. He has perfect faith in the truth of me because spirit is infallible. It cannot make error. It can only bless and extend itself. And so... You know, what, you know, that was like when, when Lisa said that to me, it was like an aha moment, a light bulb going off. And the healing was like instantaneously. Once I recognized that and included my daughter and not held her separate from me, uh, in that oneness, kind of like what we read yesterday, in, in that wholeness of being, I recognized the truth of her. And my faithlessness was actually brought the truth when I remembered that she was a part of me and her truth was infallible and her truth was perfect and she was a perfect creation of God and one with God and one with me and one with all creation and it was I saw the truth of her that it was impossible for her not to be healed whole and perfect and at peace and when I recognized that, it was like, bing, the mind shifted and I returned to peace. So I, I'm, I'm really grateful for these gifts of reading these sections every day because they always validate for me some experience I had, some truth, some reminder that truth is true. And when I put my faith in it, um, you know, and it goes well with the lesson today, too, because uh, placing the future in the hands of God is every moment. Every moment is a new creation. And if I keep my mind healed in the present moment, then every consecutive present moment will be in peace because the future really you know, there is no future. There is just an alwaysness of now. And when I give the future to God, you know, it's like I don't de- have to deal with it anymore because in truth, there is no time. There's only the now, the always of everything that's happening now. So in relinquishing the future to God, I only have to stay present now. And now is all I have to think about, keeping my peace there. So, um, you know, the, the lesson really has been, it's one of my favorite lessons too, because once I 
I give the, when I let go of the past and give the future to God, the only place to really exist is now. And I only have to ever be concerned with am I at peace now? And um, and given you know the simple life that I leave, it's very uncomplicated. I you know I I'm so grateful that I can focus on that and and be keep my peace in in that moment and the next moment and the next moment, which really is just an always kind of being. So I'm complete. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, thank you so much for your example. Anna, that was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lana. I'm so grateful when you make it um, something I can take away and understand. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Lana. This is Wendy. Um, this phrase, Uh, that I saw on Facebook has really been a help for me. And it is, replace the idea, I've got something you don't. You know, it could be wisdom or faith or money or who knows what. But replace that phrase with, I am and so are you. I'm complete. Oh, hi, Wendy. That was helpful, Wendy. And hi. Yeah. I was off mute. Wendy, I didn't catch that. Could you repeat what you said about making a phrase and saying, I am and so are you? Could you elucidate on that a little? No, no, that's that's essentially the whole thing, but you're replacing the idea that you've got something that somebody else doesn't have. And, of course, we've we've decades of being indoctrinated into that idea that some people have, some people don't. But when you stand in the truth, everybody has God. So they have everything. And to remember that. I've been doing this practice of I'm insisting that my mind see the highest good in this person, see the Holy Spirit in this person. And it's pretty amazing what happens when you begin to really clarify your intention to know God is lurking in everybody. And uh, and here comes Bryce's birthday present. Thank you so much. You too. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Wendy. Yeah, he ordered a thank you, Wendy. Just arrived. <laughs> it's so good to hear you. Thank you so much. Oh, it sure is. Here, Wendy and Bryce. How wonderful.
Yes, this is Mindy. I really love that. Uh, oh, I am God's child and so are you. I am filled with the healing power of the Holy Spirit and so are you. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to to establish a relationship and to know that we're all one and knowing that we're all one in love and under God by placing my future in the hands of God <laughs> there is no circumstance that cannot work out for the highest good of all. Well, yeah, that's how simple is that? I love it. <laughs> mm, I needed something simple this morning. It's just wonderful. Thank you. Morning, this is Sandra, and I'll just add my famous prayer, my favorite prayer, no matter how bad it looks. No matter how bad it feels, God is present, and only good can come from this situation, and that's faith. I'm complete. Amen. Why, short, simple, and to the point. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, this is Lana again. I hope the background noise isn't too bad. I'm outside right now. Um, it's such a beautiful day here in New Hampshire. Hot, but beautiful. Um, but this, this section we read today, um, how I keep it in my mind is a little bit different, but it's the same thing. You know, I, faithlessness is a concept that I have trouble remembering because it seems like I always have faith. It's where I've placed my faith. It's important. You know, I can believe, like we all do, that certain situations and certain feelings that we experience sure seem real. But if I place my faith in them being real, then faithlessness and truth shows up. But when I take my faith and transfer it, from what I believe is real, when I undo that belief and just for a holy instant question it, when I question my belief or my faith um, in what's outside of myself, all I have to do is come back to the present moment and question it, ask myself, perhaps I'm wrong. 
perhaps this situation or this relationship isn't what it seems to be. Perhaps that isn't real. If I have a faith, if I have faith in it being real, I will remain in pain. If and that goes for physical as well as emotional pain. If I if I have pain in my spine, which you know radiates down my legs, if I believe that's real, the pain will continue. But if I come back to the holy instant with Holy Spirit and question it, if I can just pause a moment and say perhaps I'm wrong about the reality of this pain, it opens up the opportunity to choose once again, to place my faith in what is true about, you know, what's true with the truth of me, that it's impossible for the Son of God to suffer. And I'm the Son of God. And in that, the healing comes and it you know it does seem to sort of play out in time you know if I if for instance if if it's physical pain and I have that realization and I offer it to truth when I bring illusions to truth they disappear and it may take a day or two but what I sense and what I know and what I watch and what I experience is that physical pain diminishing until it's not there anymore. And that goes on. That's the same with any, any um, pain of my body or weakness of my body. Anything that doesn't represent the perfection of God. I have to come to that place and question the reality of what I'm experiencing. And I have to place my faith. I have to choose again and take my faith off the illusions of what I'm experiencing and have made real and place my faith in truth. And then Holy Spirit does the rest. He he does he fixes everything. I don't know I don't need to know the how, whys, where's, when's. I don't have to know anything. All I have to do is place my faith in Holy Spirit to shift my mind into proper perception so that I can experience that truth. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> I all have I have faith, always have faith in something. It's just what have I where have I placed my faith and and that helps me to um, embrace the truth and not experience faithlessness and truth, but to experience faith in truth. So I'm complete. Thank you for listening. That was really that helpful. Was just perfect, Lana. Thank you so much. We got it. Thanks, Lana. Thank you. <laughs> that's this is Lori and uh, Lana. That's the one thing I love the most about this lesson. Um, it's in paragraph seven. What worry can be so, the one who gives his future to the loving hands of God? What worry can he suffer? What can cause him pain or bring experience of loss to him? What can he fear and what can he regard except with love? For he who has escaped all fear of future pain has found his way to present peace and certainty of care the world can never threaten. He is sure, this is the great part, 
He is sure that his perception may be faulty, but will never lack correction. He is free to choose again when he's been deceived, to change his mind when he's made mistakes. Um, that's the beauty to me of, of this lesson and this reading is the assurance that there will be interference but I need not give my mind to interference I will have temptation to rely on my own resources or think magic thoughts but with the knowledge that they always disturb my peace I have a way to um, give that illusion to truth again I'll make that mistake he's not asking me to be anything other than what I am and have faith in him the word faith uh, was so loaded to me uh, because of early experiences I had with religion you know religion that taught me if there's a problem it's because you lack faith and um, and lack of faith contained an element of blame and that's the essence of the error itself that element of blame there's never ever ever any blame now he says in the manual for teachers I'm thinking of um, that one beautiful line that goes awareness of dreaming is the function of God's teachers dream figures come and go they shift and change but the one thing that's always true is unity the unity of the Holy Spirit in my mind in your mind it's all the same Holy Spirit I suffered um, terribly Wendy I thank you for your share I suffered terribly from the idea that I have something to give you know I learned from my mistakes here let me point them out to you that's pure ego pure ego that's not to say that I wasn't motivated by love of course I was but the idea that I can give anything to anyone that he doesn't already have is the source of faithlessness I thought faithlessness was an error uh, on my part that somehow magically if I had faith God would do his part it's not like that at all all he asks of me is to be aware of unity he says the gift of unity is the only gift I was born to give perhaps one of the most startling sentences in the whole manual for teachers uh, when I think about it with Holy Spirit is having accepted atonement for himself the healer has also accepted atonement for his brother problems the whole essence of any problem we call it a problem I call it a problem the essence of any problem is always in my mind it's nowhere else it's always my mind that perceives the problem and that's how um, meaning is restored to me because problems have instant correction 
an instant correction is the truth of the atonement. The Holy Spirit in my mind and the mind of all creation. Oh, this lesson is so beautiful. There's another quote that I'm coming to. Um, You cannot give anything but love to anyone, nor can you really receive anything but love from anyone. If I'm perceiving a problem, it's a problem in my mind. I think of a really excellent example, a silly example, and I learn most things uh, when I'm being silly, but um, uh, the mailbox had to be moved, and I didn't know who to call, and and I didn't know where to put it, and I didn't know uh, what to do about the problem of all the cement in the ground that prevented the planting of another mailbox. And so I saw, you know, call this guy. Well, this guy came, and to my eyes, um, he was really high. Um, I mean, he was smoking something, you know. (laughs) I thought, oh, my God, I was directed to call this guy. Um, But my right mind, the Holy Spirit in me said, this is how it is. And somewhere in this situation is a blessing to be had. If I view this as a problem, I won't see the blessing. And it turned out that this fellow planted my mailbox. It turned out just fine. And I gave him a lot more money than was justified. But that was a problem, too, where in my mind. And when it was all settled in my mind, I thought to myself, and so he goes this way rejoicing. I don't need to care what he's rejoicing about. I don't need to care about anything except that there was a blessing in the situation because the problem was always in my mind. All problems are in my mind. All gaps are in my mind. That's why um, this lesson is so beautiful because it brings the realization to me that the miracle, there's only one error, the belief in separation. There's one correction, forgiveness, and there's one outcome, the miracle. And the miracle is always now. It's not tomorrow. You know, it's not yesterday. If I want a miracle, I bring my mind to now. And um, when I realize in this moment, I have no problems. In this moment, there's nothing wrong. In this moment of unity, everything is perfect. And I'm a beautiful receptacle for the love of God. And every time I share it, uh, it grows in my mind. The other thing I wanted to say about this section is that early on in the work, in chapter 6, he talked about the one answer. Remember the lessons of the Holy Spirit to have, give all to all, teach peace to learn it, and be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. Those three lessons are embedded uh, intricately in these uh, nine paragraphs. Um, The understanding um, of how to access a miracle is embedded in this lesson and in this reading. And the miracle, uh, there's one miracle 
the correction of separation. There's just one. It takes uh, many forms and many instances and many situations, uh, but its character is always the same. The return of love to my awareness and the sharing of that love in whatever form Holy Spirit instructs my mind to share it. Forms change. The forms change, but um, the miracle is the same. And the answer um, is a capital answer, to, I think, tomorrow. Somewhere in here, he talked about universal purpose, and he called the Holy Spirit universal purpose. And when I let all of these ideas coalesce into the one thing that they really represent, faith and unity, atonement, they all coalesce into one idea, and that idea is holiness. And, um, and, and to me, this section is why my holiness envelops everything I see. My holiness blesses, and there's nothing my holiness cannot do. It's not mine. It's ours, the unity we share, the atonement, the will of God. Um, and when I bring my illusions to truth, I'll be corrected. Always. I don't need to say, oh, Lori, for shame on you, you forgot unity and, and, and slap something on that like a Band-Aid. I need to bring my errors. It's okay. You'll make that mistake. So what? It makes no difference. Um, the miracle is always now. And uh, that's how I realize, I mean, realize that problems and gaps are always in my mind. Oh, we're going to have some really lessons that bring this home here pretty soon. Three three lessons that end this this last segment. It can be but my condemnation that injures me. It can be but my gratitude I earn. Uh, I forgot the third one right now. But there's one self. There is one capital S self, and no matter how dark it is, no matter how dim it looks, no matter how hopeless the situation seems, no matter the grief entailed in it, I can never, ever, ever be separated from capital S self, and that includes us all. Um, is there justification for faith? Yes. Absolutely, because every time I'm corrected, I'm brought back to truth. Um, that's the evidence. Those are the witnesses to love. Um, those are love's messengers. Every situation has an answer in it, and that answer is always some form of love. And, uh, and I'll be directed. I'll certainly be directed as to what form of love is needed um, to correct my problem. It's my problem. It's my problem. It's my error. Um, and I'm always returned to truth. I'm complete. No, that was Thank you so much. Beautiful and perfect, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori.
You reminded me, Lori, about, um, and I asked this question, I don't know how many times a day or every week or so. It's, it's the only question I never need, ever need to ask in, in, in any given situation, in any worry, in any seeming problem, is, is what is the truth of this? And it's like bringing my focus back to this present moment. And um, once Jesus told me, of the one solution for every perceived problem is returning the mind to God. And that's exactly what we do when we take our focus off the, <clears throat> quote, problems, or so-called problems, <clears throat> excuse me, and return our focus to, the, to what you were just sharing, Laurie, to this present moment. Because this present moment of now is where every, all the goodies are, you know? It's where we choose again. It's where we ask for forgiveness. It's where we reconnect with spirit and commune with God. You know, it's, it's where I remember who I am. It's where all the goodies are of the kingdom in this present moment of now. So just by returning to now, regardless of what condition my mind's in, you know, it might be really bent out of shape. <laughs> it might be really believing in illusions. But when I just bring myself back to this present moment and I ask, what is the truth of this? Holy Spirit handles everything from that point on. And the result is I either will receive a thought in my mind, delivered to my mind, that gives me clarity and certainty, or I'll receive prompts on what to do. And the way I determine if they're of God or not, or if, they're, if they are truth or not, is that anything a spirit comes with clarity, certainty, and peace. <clears throat> There's nothing uh, unlike those three things in anything delivered to my mind by spirit or opens my mind to spirit. Maybe that's a better way of, of saying it. Um, but... <clears throat> It's it's so true. You know, now is, you know, mission control <laughs> for my mind. So I'm complete. Thank you, Lori, again. Thank you, Lana. Thank you so much. Those three things, that's, um, they encapsulate, uh, um, what I call direct experience. He he talks about it uh, in here in uh, many many places, but there is a direct experience um, of truth that I can always access if I'm asking for it, and um, and it's a gut level, heart level, uh, heart level kind of experience that. Um, you just know that holiness sits right there with you, and um, and it obliterates to me. It obliterates this. You know, here's here's what I um, call my dark years. Those those years when it felt as if God was somewhere else, and in everything I experienced. 
I felt so deeply the yearning and the longing. And when I can get myself back to the holy instant of now, I am home. Uh, everything else just not home isn't there anymore. And the idea that, um, you know, he says death is the last obstacle. I'm going to get emotional here. I'm sorry. Deep, deep, deep in the unconscious, there's a place that says, I so long for home. And sitting right next to that deep longing is a thing that says, okay, well, you have to die to get there. And it's so deep in the unconscious that it's like it's written an ending in this story that I didn't even know it wrote this thing that says God is somewhere else and the experience of him is somewhere else. But this section and this lesson, when I can fully embrace them, brings the direct experience that, oh no, there is no ending to this story. It's a deep error that your mind made about confusion with ego-body illusion. And um, and when I practice this section, like he lays it out, and says the only thing missing in any situation is what you've failed to give it, I can explode into nothingness, that idea of time and distance from holiness. And... Uh, and it does not fail. Direct experience does not fail. When I say to myself, what have I failed to give this situation? And then the power that is within me, but not of me, can move. And when it moves, when it moves, I re-experience the sacred heart of God now. And... Uh, that to me is the purpose of time and faith to obliterate that notion of the ego body illusion that keeps me thinking I'm here in a place in an experience that can be transformed and now I'm pretty complete thank you so much thank you Laurie Oh, thank you, Lori. Thank you so much, Lori. Yes. This is Sandra really quick, and I would just add that, um, you know, there were visions that I had of things that I wanted in my life, 
and and I made decisions in my life because I had no faith. I was frightened. The lack of faith is fear. And I would <laughs> recommend anybody who doesn't have any faith to take risks, to go after what they really desire and see how God works. I'm complete. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, thank you, Sandra. That's a very useful encapsulation of miracle working. Thank you for that, Sandra. I got to make it short and easy because that's the only way I'll remember it. <laughs> I'm complete. I hear you. <laughs> Love it. One of the affirmations that I'm doing now is I command, demand, and instruct my body to heal. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Sandra, you remind me of, I don't know whether it's a lesson or a line in the text where Jesus says, I have a kingdom that I must rule. And that kingdom, of course, is my own mind. Yeah, well, this is mind training, isn't it? (laughs) Sure is. That's for sure. We don't rule it. It will rule us. And it's usually not our divine mind that rules us. Well, if no one's sharing, I'll pop in again. You know, Laura, you talked, you mentioned your dark time. And, you know, my dark time was after my first marriage broke up. And um, and it was also, I was still grieving my father terribly. It was like a knife in my heart. I just adored him. Um, that wasn't healed. It was also shortly before my marriage ended, I found out that I couldn't have any children. And that was my whole goal in life to be a wife and mother. You know, I had no other plan to be a good wife and mother. So I went into these dark years, but it was also when I found A Course in Miracles. And, you know, I'm going to get emotional too because all during those dark years, those early to mid-30s, you know, when I shared here before, I call them my slut years because I didn't care about anything. I was so lost in darkness, felt so unworthy of anything God or the world could ever give me. 
and I was just on in such a destructive path. I was drinking too much. God only knows how I wasn't killed in, in driving my car. I can remember holding the steering wheel with one hand and keeping my right eye open with the other. Um, I certainly was protected. And all through those early years when I was stuck in the muck, I always found, I mean, sometimes I took A Course in Miracles to bed with me and just hugged it because I had no other place to go. And and I always felt that Jesus, his perfect acceptance of me, even in that dark place. And, um, you know, it's, it's like... Uh, he just became my knight in shining armor. <laughs> and I came to trust what he said. And then that's when he started talking through me in my meditative writing. It was like a, a, a bold invitation to Jesus, just fix this mess I've made of my life. And he did. And he continues to. And I, you know, I, I would throw the book of I remember that one night when I was in a rocking chair reading and I couldn't get, I just couldn't get it. And I threw the book across the room and I just said, Jesus, I can't do this. And his voice came in my mind. He said, thank God. Thank God. Now we can begin. (laughs) Because I could stop trying to do it myself. (laughs) Now maybe we'll make some progress. I'll never forget that night. Uh, so anyhow, I'm complete. Wow, that was great. Thank you. That's yeah, that's funny. I love it. That was great. Now we can make some progress. Right. Just keep your mind shut and listen to me. Just shut up and listen. <laughs> that's great. Oh my god. Wow. What a story. That was great. Even in your sleep, he has protected you. Oh, I love that line. (laughs) He certainly does meet us wherever we are, and he never judges. He always sees the truth in us. He always has perfect faith in us, even when we have no faith in ourselves. So that's what I can tell you about my buddy Jesus. <laughs> he never gives up on you. us. We give up on him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was great. The search, always the search. I I remember being a little girl and wondering what was going on. What what are we doing here? Why am I here? And I used to say that to my parents. I drove them crazy. And um, one time I told them that I had to become a Catholic. And um, they they looked at me like, what? (laughs) And I went to this class. And they let me go. I was only, I think, prep 10 or 11 or something like that. And they let me go. And I heard them say that I was conceived in original sin. And I came home and told my parents that I couldn't go there anymore because I didn't think I was conceived in original sin. 
And they said, okay. And I walked up the steps and I could hear them laughing. <laughs> they were so happy. But I always had that search going on in me, always searching for something, for the reason of what are we doing here, and found Christian science and then moved over to uh, Christian Miracles. But I didn't throw the book, but that's a good point. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Lana. Incomplete. Oh, oh thank you. you. Thank you, Fran. Yeah. I'd say, do I remember Maggie when she was about 10? You know, her father had passed away about, I don't know, when she was seven, and, and I never belonged to any church. And my church was, of course, a miracle. And she wanted to find a church because all of her friends were going to church. And, of course, I had shared a lot of Course in Miracles with her. So I said, okay, we'll go to a different church every week, and then you can pick out the one you like best. So the first churches we went, I went to, I don't know, it was, it was one where their whole sermon was on fundraising. And she said, Mom, that's not the right church. All they want is our money. And then I went to another church. And um, it, we went to another church, I don't know whether it was Protestant or Catholic, and, and the sermon was all about uh, brimstone and hellfire and, and uh, sin. And, and she came out, she says, Mom, they don't know God at all. <laughs> and, the, and finally, we went to this, which was right around the back of our house, was this African-American church. And as soon as we went in, you know, she saw them all clapping and singing and joy, and they were really in the spirit, jumping around. And she says, Mom, that's it. They know who God is. <laughs> and we started going to that church. We were the only white people in there, but they, didn't, they just loved us, and they loved her. And she was just clapping and jumping around with them, and it was always a joyous day. <laughs> Wow. Love that. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Children know, don't they? Yeah. It's like you said, it's not, a, you know, when clarity comes to the mind, and certainly it isn't about understanding. It's more about, you know, realizing, like, like you said, realizing and recognition, recognizing. You know, it's, it's right. like recognize it and you read because it's all in your our minds anyway and it's just forgetfulness when truth comes to the mind it's perfectly clear there's no nothing to understand it's like you said i don't know who was it you go it's a gut you feel it in your gut you feel it in your heart and you know that's why i love of course of love so much you know it brings the heart into the, the scheme of things the home of love so it's it's all it's just remembering. We're just we all have amnesia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Ah, this has been a wonderful call. Wonderful. Really? Great. Yes. Thank you guys so much. I just
just happened to receive a poem that I think encapsulates it. Um, I haven't felt it at the gut level yet because I just perused it, but the feeling of fullness is included in it. The poem is gratitude. Gratitude passes through you like the clouds of mood, like rain turning to sleet or gray skies breaking into blue. It's only gratefulness that stays, holding your trembling hand beneath the hospital sheet as you count each breath or jumping up and down when you hear good news. Gratefulness is the faithful companion we have always been seeking, this feeling of fullness. This feeling of fullness that follows us everywhere we go, less like a shadow trailing the body and more like a glimmer held in the heart that promises never to leave. What a gift. Thank you so much. And um, I just love you guys. Um, we make a beautiful place, and I'm really grateful for it. 